Welcome into another edition of Jungle Juice. It's Sam Gormley and Mick Nelson with you. Mick, it has been a it has been a week since we last talked, and a lot has happened. But how you doing? Oh, doing quite well. I uh, actually went to the Reds game with my firm this afternoon. Uh, didn't see a win, but just got to see some baseball at the ballpark instead of working. So that was. Uh, always, that's always going to be a plus for me. <laughs> the, last business, the last businessman special of the year, I know. So you had to take it up on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is great. I know I'll be there on Sunday, which is, you know, I mean, this is a Bengals podcast, so we don't want to talk more, but could be a little bittersweet of the final home game for one Joey Votto. And I don't know how I feel about that, but that's this is not a Reds podcast, so we won't talk all the way about Joey Votto, even though that we are both quite big fans of, of I the might have to get some last minute tickets to that if you yeah, didn't even think about oh yeah it definitely could be the it, last yeah, Joey Votto it absolutely game, so. could be the, the last one I, I get to be on the boat which I'm excited about so okay, I, I've is never this been a work a, thing it is, is this, okay. it is it is our state Kentucky Broadcasters Association convention it is the first opening event so we get to do that and then uh, we get to go on a riverboat and tour the city and so on but yeah so I'm, I'm excited for it and then I, I they didn't really it's just happens to be a coincidence that our broadcasters convention is in Covington, Kentucky, and the Bengals play the Rams on Monday night. That's going to be one of the topics that we'll talk about today on the show. Of course, we'll recap the Bengals Ravens game and Capgate. Is that what we're calling it? We're, we'll have to talk. We're going to dive all the Cap, way into that. Cap watch, I would say. Cap I don't know watch, if there's any scandal behind Cap what's Cap going on here. We don't know. There could be scandal. We don't know that there's not scandal with, with, with the Cap. We'll talk about that, and then obviously we got to continue moving on. Is is if this cast thing is legitimate? We're gonna kind of talk through all of the options of, you know, okay, let's let's say worst case scenario, and Burrow has to sit out a couple of weeks. How do we feel about that? What do we think will happen? That'll be some of the things that we'll talk about up on the show, and then of course we'll wrap it up with the picks for this week. Mick and I are. We correctly predicted week one. We incorrectly predicted last week. So who knows which way we'll go today. Of course, we're streaming on the Facebook page for Jungle Juice. Make sure you follow us there. We're on YouTube for Jungle Juice Podcast. Subscribe to us there. And we also want to make sure we give a shout out to Josh Isles and his page WDN Today. Make sure you follow him. He's got a lot of great content happening there. We're also streaming live on that page as well. So make sure you you let us know where you're watching from. Let us know you're, you're joining and your favorite players and so on. And also let us know how you're feeling about the team and so on. Because we got to start with breaking down the Bengals-Ravens on Sunday afternoon. Mick and I, we were both in attendance. And I, I, I've been trying to figure out the words to describe how I felt walking out of Paycor. And I'm still not really sure how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I felt somewhat encouraged after uh, after the Ravens game. Now, obviously, the team did not win, but the offense did show some life. They showed that they were able to move the ball down the field in the second half. They looked a lot more crisp. Now we're not saying we're not seeing like the big chunk plays yet, which we didn't really see, uh, you know, in the first two weeks of last year either. So maybe the playbook starts to open up. But now with this whole calf injury thing. Uh, I just don't know what to think about it, um, you know, and, and, and what my, you know, what my future hopes are, I guess. And there's a lot of uncertainty going into the upcoming weeks of the season. Yeah, 100%. And the calf is going to be something we're going to talk about here in a few minutes because there's obviously a lot to, to discuss with this. 
I know I was telling you as we were driving in that I said that, you know, obviously I wanted the team to win. You know, obviously that's that's what we want. We don't want the team to ever lose a game. But I told you something along the lines of, I just hope that if they lose, I feel better than I did against the Browns. And that was accurate, that I did feel better because I think, you know, was the offense explosive? No. Was it inept? No. It was not. I think you're kind of seeing them trend in the right direction because I think the offense as a whole made me feel a little bit better about the performance on Sunday. Yeah, for sure. And there's a lot of parallels to that Cowboys game last year where, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the offense finally gets going, but then the defense just kind of uh, wasn't playing up to par, uh, you know, or, you know, wasn't playing at the same quality that we're used to seeing for them. I think, you know, last week we did kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think that there are kind of aspects of everything with that. And I think starting with the good, you know, the positives from that game. I mean, listen, we got to give a shout out to Charlie Jones. I, you know, Lou Anarumo's, or not Lou Anarumo, Darren Simmons said that when he was looking for a new punt returner in the draft, he said that he wanted somebody to, quote, put the fear of God into the other team. And Charlie Jones against the Browns. Really didn't show anything, really hasn't shown anything. I mean, even in the preseason, he didn't really have any returns that were even somewhat exciting. And then all of a sudden, he gets his chance against the Ravens and breaks one. And I think, Mick, here's the thing that's maybe the most impressive thing about Charlie Jones is who he did it against. This is against Mm -hmm. the Ravens. John Harbaugh's background, special team. Like, this is not going up against some random team. This is against a guy who knows the ins and outs of special teams, and he breaks it. And I mean, listen, does does a lot of credit go to Charlie Jones, of course, but it also goes a lot of credit to the blockers who created mm-hmm. a nice path for him as well. And then also the refs picking up the flag because I watched back and I didn't see anything. No, I didn't see anything either. What was it like? A, were they were they trying to think there was like a block in the back there or something I, like I that? I guess and, I saw that in the backside, there was something that could have potentially been if you had the wrong angle you could have maybe seen that it, there was a little bit of a block in the back, and I don't even remember as to who it was, but because I remember immediately, you know, it, the catch pretty much happened right in front of us where he caught the punt. You know, we had the great angle, and we saw it as he turned up field, and we kind of see, since we're sitting in the upper deck, we're lucky enough to see as the hole kind of opens up, we get to see the play develop, and we could immediately see, uh-oh, here we go. And then we all saw the yellow flag come out, and then it was like, oh, well, that was fun <laughs> now, wasn't it? Well, And then yeah. when they picked it up, because not, I don't think, uh, you know, even my most optimistic side was expecting them to pick that flag up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, and, and going into that play too, there was a, there was a couple flags that were thrown the Bengals way. Like the Bengals got a lot of some tough breaks going into that. Now I was kind of away during that whole fumble situation with Lamar. So I wasn't entirely sure. Hands what to happened. the face. Hands to the face uh, on the fumble play. And, I don't know. I, I I didn't really see a replay of that play. Was it a uh, was it a so good they call? showed one replay at the stadium and it um and see it's always tough. Now it'd be great if you're watching with us and you watch the game on TV. I'm sure they showed you a better replay of it uh, to let us know what you thought of it. And and I always like this too is give us your non Bengals fan take. Like try and take the Bengals fan hat off and like let's go legit. Was it hands to the face on that? And the very brief, and it was one of those that I saw to the corner of my eye, I didn't really see much, but it might have, like, it, it didn't not happen, but I don't know that it happened enough to get the penalty. 
And again, that seems like it's it's so like any uh, holding call on defensive backs two minutes into the remaining playoff games. Is that what you're saying? Someone along those oh, lines? Are, are we are we having flashbacks now? Uh, we don't have to talk about the that particular one. We can talk about the Super Bowl uh, call if we want. The uh, oh, that's not, the... not the bang, not the Bengals. Super I was going to say I, I'm not team. wearing my Logan Wilson jersey here, but I, I, I mean. That that's one of those plays that I mean I always joke that you know have the have the ongoing joke of you know play here play there, and you know you talk about the two turnover plays in this game and if they go the other way, I mean I think that you know we would be saying is in the words of you know the legendary Lexington sportscaster Lexington Kentucky and former Bengals radio guy Alan Cutler would say it's a great day to be a Bengals fan because I think yeah. you know if that if that Lamar fumble happens. They get the ball. If they weren't in the red zone, they were pretty much right on the they outer edge of the red zone. They were field goal range at the yes. very least. So yeah. let's say, okay, worst case scenario, Burrow gets sacked and it's a 48-yard field goal. Bang, McPherson hits it. There's three points right there. Oh, look, maybe it's a tie game. And then, obviously, the biggest play, which I think can kind of be transitioning into the bad, was that pick by Joe Burrow in the yeah. red zone. A huge play. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, it's a potential six-point swing. So, yeah, I mean, you're because after uh, so the Ra- they, the Ravens had a punt after the fumble after the fumble, right? They didn't score on that drive, so they ended up punting the ball eventually. Then the Charlie Jones play happens, so that's a three-point swing there, uh, and then throw the interception. That's another three-point swing, and then the Ravens end up driving down the field for a touchdown that drive, that following drive. So, I mean, yeah, that's a potential in culmination. That's almost a 13 point swing. If you think about it that way. So, yeah. And I mean, listen, we're not saying I I don't like to be one of those guys that says, Oh, you know, uh, one play changes a game. You know, there's obviously multiple plays that lead up to it. There were some misthrows. The defense, I think as a whole was not great. On, on Sunday against the Ravens, I think it was especially comparatively speaking to really the last time they faced Lamar on Sunday night football where they really held him in check. I, I think for the most part, other than one play at the end of the game where he he made the big run, which led to the game winning field goal by Justin Tucker. But I think Lamar had, I mean, I think I, I'll put it this way. I think he had his best game against a legitimate Bengals defense. Yes, I. I and, if you get, yeah. I think you understand what I'm saying by that. I don't yeah. count the Nick Vigil defense in 2019. <laughs> that doesn't count. No, no, yeah. The, it, this might be one of the best games I've seen from Lamar personally. Now, I haven't watched so much footage of Lamar. I know he had the MVP season in 2019 where he was just torching NFL teams, but this is Lamar's second game in a brand new offensive system. And I thought Lamar was pretty much on it. Now, did he have a couple of missed throws? Yes. But he also had a couple of really nice throws. That throw to Zay Flowers, the uh, the big flat pass play in the game. Um, Cam Taylor Britt had fairly decent coverage on Zay Flowers, and Lamar just threw an absolute dime. Um, there was really not much Cam Taylor Britt could have done in that play. Um, so Lamar had a good game. Now, I know a lot of people are going to be have been talking, well, you know, Lamar ran for a lot of yardage, and there was a lot of scramble yardage. They were like, well, why isn't there a spy? Well, they did have a spy. Um, 
Now, we can say that they didn't execute, but if you're kind of looking at the footage, anytime there's a spy on a, on a scrambling play from Lamar, um, they end up running like a crossing route with probably Hill or, or, or one of the other running backs, probably Hill for the most part. That ends up becoming the priority of that spy because you don't want to give up the pass play for a first down, and then Lamar breaks the line of scrimmage and then scrambles for first down yardage. So it's kind of a catch-22 on what you prefer to happen on the defense if that situation arises. Yeah, and I think that Lamar, and I say this all the time, and and, and listen, you can see over my shoulder there, or I guess it's over this shoulder. You know, I've got the UK. Uh, I'm not sure how, how visible it is, but I've got the UK thing hanging there. Look, I Lamar played for Louisville. I have always never been a huge Lamar guy. Um, for one, I'm not really a fan of how he handles himself. I I, I know that there have been a couple of times where he's he's not I, – I'm big into you, if you win, you shake the hand of the other quarterback, and if you lose, shake the hand of the other quarterback. And there have been a couple of times where he's lost and he's walked off the field without shaking the hand of the other quarterback. And I just – I don't agree with that. That, to me, just shows a lot about the kind of person you are. And I've always said Lamar is as good of an athlete out of anybody that is in the NFL – I, I mean, I think an argument could be made, you know, in a long time. He, he's he's up in that top tier of just pure athlete, but he's an average NFL passer. Um, and, and listen, an average NFL passer is still really good because I, I think you're looking at him. He is a great athlete, but he's Andy Dalton as a quarterback. I don't know if I can go that far uh, on the quarterback I, I skills now. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, because even I mean, when you think about it, big games, he never comes through. So, yeah, if you're looking at it from that perspective of the clutch aspect uh, later on in the season of the playoff games, I guess Lamar Jackson may, may be Andy Dalton. And, and now, Lamar does using... have one playoff win under his belt, at least. Uh, Andy had zero. But, uh, but I do get what you're saying where they kind of massively underperform in the playoffs and and I'm more uh, just saying as far as pure talent as well. And and we're not getting into the Lamar Jackson co- conversation here. I'm probably bringing it up. But I, that's what kind of worries me is leading into the defense. Because I was I came away very disappointed with how the defense played, whereas I was fine with how they played week one. Yeah. Um, I think you're starting to see some of the inexperience in the secondary a little bit. The secondary honestly held up okay. But... Uh, the lack of a pass rush just gave Lamar all time, all all day to throw, and and I and that's where I think you may be seeing a different Lamar this year. Is that you know in years past when plays weren't getting open for Lamar, Lamar was kind of just you know, you, you know he wasn't he wasn't looking to make uh, the second or the third read, and you know it doesn't seem like in this game in particular he definitely was patient enough to stay in the pocket and wait for a receiver to come open. And I think that is the most, I think that's the thing about the defense. I was kind of disappointing is that you saw a decent pass rush in week one against the Browns that you saw no pass rush against the Ravens in week two. So that might be a little and, concerning. And, and the Ravens had starters out in the offensive line. And, and that's the exact point that I was going to make is that the Browns have an upper echelon offensive line. I think an yeah. argument could be made. I mean, an argument could be made that they might even have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And and I think uh, the same argument can be made for the Ravens if they had Ronnie Stanley and Tyler Linderbaum in, and they didn't. And yeah, 
So you had two backups in there, and the Bengals still couldn't really do anything with their pass rush. I mean, they barely touched Lamar the entire game, and, and there were there were opportunities that they had to get him as well. Yeah. Now Lamar that, did make did make rushers miss just on, a, on a consistent basis. So uh, you got to give kudos to him on on just putting his athleticism at play there and uh, in making guys miss. So, but still, even with that, there was really no pass rush to to see in that game. And that is, I think, it is a little bit concerning long term because if we're being honest, the Bengals have really. N- under Lou Anarumo, and that's partially scheme. They've never been a huge pass rushing team. Yeah, that's that's just just being honest. And then the question comes down to it, and it is legitimate: is can you know you win? And and again, it's it's wild for me to say this: can you win the big game without an elite pass rusher? And and it's wild because you know the Bengals have won many of these quote unquote big games when it comes to this, but I don't know that this defense has really had the opportunity to come away with the start on it. Uh, Jared here writes and he says, no pass rush by design. They were trying to contain the whole game. And that, that might be accurate, but yeah, I don't know. If you look at the footage, I don't think they were really trying to play contain. You can see, you don't see the edge rushers intentionally just kind of like holding off and staying back. You see them trying to gain traction against these tackles to get Lamar in the backfield but they just weren't getting anything done. And yeah, I don't know. That's it, it was just a bad time uh for the for the for the front four on Sunday. And, and that's the thing is that I think if we're being honest, the Bengals really only have one true pass rusher on their defensive line. Yeah. And that's Trey Hendrickson. They have one. And Trey is a he is a he's probably like he is not in that upper tier I don't think is you know he's not in the Miles Garrett he's not in the TJ Watts he's not in into that tier now I get that the, the Bosa's and so on is he in that second tier I think he can be when he's good but I do think that Trey at times will I don't know if disappears the right word but he does become a non-factor and that's what kind of worries me is I think that they were hoping that Miles Murphy could become the steal and become more of a, a compliment there to Trey Hendrickson on that pass rush as well. But I just haven't seen any of that. And I know Miles Murphy also was probably more of the Sam Hubbard role as well. Yes. But I, like, I think you need to have more pass rushing in this NFL. Now, I don't know it's necessarily to beat a team like the Ravens, but you got a game on, on Monday where a pet big pass rush could really help because let's be real, Matthew Stafford, his athleticism right now is like us back there, which is not great. <laughs> yeah, so I guess there's a little there's... bit of a difference in the athleticism between Matthew Stafford and Lamar Jackson. Just, just, yeah. just a smidge for sure. And then if we're kind of looking at the pass rush in general against the Ravens, is that you know I guess you could also put DJ Hill kind of in the category as that other pass rusher on the team. Now DJ does get pretty good pass rushing as well, but. um where the injuries were now, I know Linderbaum was out at center, but the both of the guards were starting and were healthy. I think Zeitler had a really good game of handling. Uh, I think he was on BJ Hill for the most part um, in that game on Sunday, and I think he did a pretty good job of maintain of maintaining the interior. And then I just don't know what was going on with Sam and Trey. Now I think that um, I'm not hitting the panic button on the pass rush for the rest of the season. But yeah, it was just not 
the greatest of performances. It, it was a pretty bad performance. I would actually probably put it in the ugly category for, for Sunday. Yeah, and I, I have, in, in that ugly category, I do have the defense. Because I, I had in the bad, and I really, I think that there almost needs to be a category between the good and the bad, which is where I'd put the offense. Um, because I don't know that it was quite bad, but it wasn't good. I thought it was all right. You put up yeah, 24 is, points against the Ravens team, which I guess it's only 17 because Charlie Jones' punt return was seven of those points. Who knows? The offense could have driven down the field that play. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I think that it, it, I don't know that it was quite bad, but it wasn't good. Um, there were some aspects. I think Joe Mixon had some good runs. Because uh, I think that's that's been the thing is is the running attack. And it'll be something that we can talk about here when we talk about Calfgate, because I think if you're having calf issues for a quarterback that is is continuing to go, you might want to establish and lean on that run game a little bit more. And it's not been something that they've ne- they've necessarily done. Because I think Mixon has given you some good runs. Yeah, no, I think Mixon's ran fairly well in the first two weeks of the year. Um, it seems like the inside zone running play is is working to a crisp right now. Mixon's hitting the hole where I think in years past, Mixon's been pretty hesitant. He's trying to do the Le'Veon Bell cutback, you know, in years past where and then you know defenders are just catching up to him too quickly. And you're not really seeing that this year. You're seeing him be an absolute bowling ball in these inside zone running plays and finding the hole, hitting it quickly, and rattling off four or five yards almost every carry. Now, we can say, like, oh, yeah, we should see the offense run the ball more. There's been more success. Well, then the defense starts to anticipate that a little more. And I guess if that happens, then maybe the passing play, the passing plays start to open up a little bit more down the field. So I'm not sure what the offense – could do to do better um i you know it seems like against the ravens it seems like they're just playing too high every play and they're not able to get that deep passing play and kudos to joe in the second half for working the middle of the field and working the mid-range game instead and he fit a lot of nice throws in there in the in that second half so i'd probably put the offense mostly in the good category especially the second half offense that was that might have been in the the really good category. I guess we can't call it great. They did have a three and out in that second half. That was that was absolutely brutal. Jared writes in and says they do need to run more. Treat the early season like the Buffalo playoff game. Run the ball to protect Joe. And I think this kind of is a good transition into the you know protecting Joe because I think the biggest story is is um, kind of going inside baseball here. You know, I live about two and a half hours from from you know northern kentucky cincinnati area so i after the game it was kind of nice that i got i get to kind of log off of social media just because i have to drive home so i missed all of this that joe burrow potentially re-aggravated his calf so i get home you know that night at about i don't even know seven or eight o'clock something like that and log on to social media and see all of this about the the burrow calf and that he has potentially re-aggravated this calf. And immediately I go, son of a gun. Like, yeah. <laughs> here we go again. Like, this is exactly what we need. Now, I know it came out today that apparently he's doing a, a little bit better um, and is feeling better today, but that's all from sources and so on. Bro will presumably talk tomorrow. Usually he talks on Wednesdays, but since the game is on a Monday, he'll talk tomorrow. And that's, I think, going to be the first time when you feel better. So, Mick, just as a whole, your takeaway from this burrow calf concerns and so on. 
there's just a lot of unknowns. And um, I think Jake Lisko mentioned on Locked On Bengals um, after the game, he's like, I honestly thought this whole Kurt Calf issue was put to bed uh, when, when Joe was practicing to start week one. And obviously it wasn't that the calf was limiting him and his mobility in the pocket. And now um, he potentially re-aggravated it and it couldn't have come at a worse time. The team is in an 0-2 hole. Um, and, you know, at this point you're kind of looking at the cost-benefit analysis of, well, do I trot out Joe Burrow on a re-aggravated calf injury because my team is 0-2 and, and there are you know games to be played to get you out of that hole? Or do I play the backup quarterback, protect my long-term investment, and um, you know potentially lose the next few games that should be wins? So, and then you get the team into a bigger hole. So it's it's a catch twenty-two there. Um, I'm going to respect. I think, I think your the- question your question is 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 a seventy percent Joe Burrow better than a Jake Browning or a Will Greer? Um, I think it is, but. That seventy percent Joe Burrow could immediately could very easily become a zero percent Joe Joe Burrow, but where, it very easily could mean Joe Burrow plays on it. You're good, you roll through, and then he he's able to rest it very soon. You know, coming or you know, it, it's all of these questions because, like you said, no one knows the answer to them. No, these injuries. I don't even think Joe Burrow does at such a high rate, Sam. Yeah, and, especially you know the muscle injuries. Yes. And it's the, I, I guess it's the first one he's ever had to deal with. Soft is, I've heard this soft is his issue, first yeah. soft, soft tissue injury. Um, yeah, these things re aggravate themselves. Hamstrings re aggravate themselves. Calves re aggravate themselves throughout the year. These, these things could, these things could dictate seasons for players. But then, and, and I think another thing with it too is, is that you could, let, let's just say, okay, uh, Zach Taylor during his press conference tomorrow afternoon says, hey, we're shutting down Joe Burrow until after the bye week. Just, just, just for example, he very well could be that game after the bye week against the Niners. Go out there and re-aggravate it again. Yeah, like, like no, they're, they're, very well and, could. And, and and that's or let's say he says we're going to hold him out until December the first or you know whatever it is. And I don't remember what the first game is in December. Uh, Colts, maybe no. I guess it's the game before the Colts. Uh, regardless, it doesn't matter as to who it is. Um, you know, who's to say that he sits out 10 games or whatever it is and re-aggravates it that first game back? Yeah. Or or do you come out and you say, okay, Joe, we'll see you at training camp? I, uh, I, I don't think you can do how that. The season, it depends on how the season goes for that. Because, like, say they sit out Burrow these next four weeks, put him on IR or whatever, and the team's in an 0-6 hole, which, God forbid, that happens. But rest in peace, delivers. Yeah, rest in peace to all my internal organs. But honestly, like, do you tank? Do you tank and then try to try to get a blue chip prospect early on in the draft? You know, the Niners, Kyle Shanahan, the Niners, John Lynch, that whole organization is notorious for that. And I think that's why you kind of see the long-term success that their franchise has had is that, well, if their quarterback goes down, I guess I'm going 3-13 and this year, uh, and I'm getting uh, – a top five draft pick. And Marvin Harrison just, Jr. Trading T. Marvin Harrison Jr. Jamar you, Chase. Yeah, you could be in that. You know, and I don't want to give up on the season this early. We're only two weeks no, in. No. 
But if we're just playing hypotheticals, just play hypotheticals here. Be- like Because I think, and you made the good point of, I think we feel in a way kind of similar to 0-2 did last year. I, I, and I think let's take the calf out because obviously the calf has concern. But I think we feel probably kind of similar to the way we did, and the games have gone in a way kind of similar. Yeah, if the calf injury wasn't a thing, I would not be concerned about this year at all. Because I, I think, I have, but, but then again, I think an argument could be made if the calf injury wasn't a thing that they might not be zero and two. Yeah, they might not be zero and two. They, I, I don't know. The Browns game, the Browns just match up with us really well, so that probably would. Let's face it, probably could have been a very well. They wouldn't have looked like donkey loss. crap, though. There's no question about that. No, no, they wouldn't have, have looked inept. Uh, but, and then you could have seen that. I think you would have seen just an absolute, you know, offensive masterpiece against the depleted Ravens secondary if, if the calf injury wasn't a thing. So, I don't know. Uh, there's just so much uncertainty with this calf thing uh, with Joe Burrow. This thing is going to dictate the season, I think. And is it going to dictate it in a in a? I mean, I don't know how you how it really dictates the season in a good way because uh, you just want your quarterback to be healthy and to and to have all the plays at your arsenal and and everything's just working great. But I don't know. There's just so much uncertainty with it. Um, I don't know. What are you hoping for in this Ravens game? Are you just or for this Rams game? Are you hoping that he, he's playing, or what? What are your thoughts on it? I know that we don't necessarily have all the all the medical intel available to us on this. So, I, I, I don't know. Like, like in in, in all seriousness, I, I could sit here, and and I I don't know how you are, but I, I do like a good like pro and con cheat list. You know, where cost you, you kind of write I call it, it down. cost benefit analysis. Okay. That is a, that's a CPA. Are you, are you an accountant or something? <laughs> uh, but like pro con, cost benefit, and so on is because there are pros. I mean, because here's the thing how confident do you feel feel in, in Jake Browning or Will Greer? And I kind of want to take that point and I want to go back to it here in a few minutes. And is it's like, so that's probably in the pro to playing Burrow. Like you, you need to, you need to maybe do that because what is your confidence level in the backup guys on that? But then again, your con is okay. You know, there have been ties into calf injuries leading to Achilles. Like, yeah. what happens with yeah. that? Like, what happens if Joe Burrow goes out there and blows his Achilles? Because yeah. if that happens, then you know, then then get yep, you're done. Like, you're you're having you're going to have to tank pretty much because there's I, can can Will Greer, Jake Browning win you a couple of games in a pinch? Yeah, I think they probably could if it comes down to it. Can they make the playoffs? I don't think so. I don't think so in the AFC North. No. Uh, Benny Lococo says in a comment, and who day, Benny, uh, thank you for the comment. Uh, man, I just don't know about this calf injury with Burrow. I uh, say we play the long game. Uh, he's our franchise. I agree, kind of. I think, so we talk about our confidence level of Jake Browning or Will Greer. If there's any game to throw these guys into, it's probably the game upcoming on Monday. Now, I know you want to avoid an 0-3 start as much as you can, but if there's a game that could be winnable uh, or you know where the offense can at least function, uh, it's probably against this very inexperienced Rams defense. So, before I'm not sure. We, before we get into the Rams, too, I kind of wanted to ask you this question. Let's say 
our worst nightmare comes out tomorrow. I don't know if this is worst nightmare, but worst nightmare I think would be them saying that Joe Burrow tore his Achilles or something like that. That would be worst nightmare. But let's <laughs> yeah. let's say let's say bad news happens tomorrow, and Zach Taylor says we have made the decision to put Joe Burrow on IR. Who starts on Monday night? Who who ooh. starts on Monday night? Is it Jake Browning or do they do the move that they did? <laughs> Jeff Snellen writes in. It could be. Jeff Snellen could be predicting it. <laughs> Ryan Finley could be coming back on. There on is Monday. a precedent here. There is a but precedent. I think that that Ryan Finley decision, you know, Ryan Finley was Jake Browning in this realm, whereas yes. Brandon Allen was Will, Will Greer in the realm of, you know, they were on the practice squad and they ended up pulling up Brandon Allen because they had more confidence in him. Although Ryan Finley still will have, when, you know, one of my all-time favorite victories <laughs> as far as a regular season. I, I, I will always treasure that moment. But I ask you, Mick, is is who would have a better chance or who would you have more confidence in, Jake Browning or Will Greer? Will Greer. And I agree. Yeah. Because uh, I think we've seen Jake Browning, and Jake Browning is a quarterback. He does know how to throw the football, kind of. Um, he He can stand up and catch the snap. I guess he can run a little bit. But that's about it. I'd see, I'd see a little bit of Jeff Driscoll's game in 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 uh, in Jake Browning. So let's let's give which, Jake which, Browning which tells a, a lot about you. You know, which, how do you compare Jake Browning Jeff Driscoll? I mean, Jeff Driscoll came in and started and lost every game he started in in 2018. But he came in and filled Andy's role uh, somewhat admirably. He came out there and and put his all into 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 playing, and that's really all you can ask a guy to do. Uh, but yeah, I think you're knocking on Jake Browning a little too much. You know, the, his sophomore year of college at Washington, and this might have been a jailbroken offense anyways, but hell, Jake Browning was receiving Heisman votes in, in uh, what was it, 2019? His could, 2019 could, should, season? Should we just go through and list quarterbacks that have received Heisman votes? Like, on how much confidence? Like, and that's the thing uh, is... I mean, is there that many? I mean... If, I mean Let's just name somebody, uh, Johnny Manziel. Like how much? Johnny Manziel won the Heisman. Yeah, Johnny Manziel did win the Heisman. Okay. Um, 43 touchdowns. Troy Smith. It was actually 2016. That was a long time ago. Troy Smith. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's... that's, uh, So, I mean, and and that's... I, I agree, though. I think Will Greer... Now, now I, I say I have more confidence in Will Greer. Now, this is it's like me saying I have more confidence in Brandon Allen than Ryan Finley. Like it's not like I'm saying that Will Greer is the savior. But I probably have more confidence in real Will Greer than I would in Brandon Allen, though. If I'm gonna I, be honest with you. I, I agree. Well, look at Paul Reeves coming in here. You know what, Paul? That's a is low Paul, blow. Is Paul right. even a Bengal? Who's Paul he, a fan of? Paul's just a, he's, I know he's a, he's a big, I don't really know who Paul's NFL team is. Um, he, he, I guess I know he's a big Braves fan. He likes the Florida Gators. He might just be an NFL fan. I guess he might share for the Falcons. Overall sports savant. Also, Paul, we didn't mention this on the podcast yes. last week, but I do have a beef with you because you picked before me in our uh, sports jungle fantasy draft. And there was at least a few Cowboys. Ooh, fans. He's a Cowboys fan. I didn't know that. Paul. Uh, you know, he's in a good spot right now. They've got a really good yes. roster. Um, but uh, Paul Reeves picked before me in a lot of rounds in this fantasy draft. I think there's at least three or four times where he picks the guy that I want right before 
the, the just the pick before Hilarious. I wanted to get that guy. And yeah, I was cursing out Paul Reeves while uh, while I was. Uh... Yeah, I know you killed it in the draft, Paul. We don't need to talk about this more. Uh... <laughs> See, my top two picks, and we're getting off topic a little bit, but I got my top two picks in that draft. First round, Nick Chubb. Great job, Sam. Great job, Nick Chubb. Second do you, round, do you, do you pick up Kareem Hunt? Uh, no, I picked up uh, the uh, the the Kareem other guy. Yes, Kareem board. Okay, and. Uh, Second round pick, Cooper Cup. Great job, Sam. So my top two picks already out. I know Cooper Cup could come back. And and speaking of Cooper Cup, it's pretty much it's a perfect transition into talking about Monday Night Football. Mick and I are both decked out in our white. We're ready. I, I, you know, I I talk about it. You know, I'm a small town radio guy. I broadcast high school sports on Friday nights, and the past two years or three years maybe. The high school that I do games for has had a Thursday night game. And two the past two years, the Thursday night game that they have broadcast has been on the same night as the Bengals Thursday night game. It has been just like it it's it's almost like they're just toying with me. That included last year's Thursday night game against the Dolphins. I specifically deleted like all of my social media muted all texts, turned off all notifications so that I could get home and not know the score or anything and go back and watch the Dolphins game. But when when they cut to it and I saw it and saw everybody in all white, because listen, everybody went all out in the all white. I was ex- incredibly impressed with how everyone actually followed the theme and how they painted everything. To say I had FOMO was the giant biggest understatement <laughs> ever. I got so jealous of everybody. And then I also, you had sent me a video that I didn't see until after the game because I specifically didn't want to have any potential spoilers because I didn't know when you sent the video. I didn't know if it was, you know, even if it was a picture in the middle of the game that I possibly could have seen a score or something. So I waited until after. And when I watched that video, it just kept getting more and more. So to say I'm excited <laughs> about being able to experience Monday Night Football and the whiteout is a is a ginormous understatement. I can't wait. And oh, that's not even saying about the game. You know, and I do I do think uh, whoever you cover Grayson County High School for having that game because that was my wife's. Uh, I guess she went to a game once in 2015. It was the 2015 game against the Steelers, the Andy Dalton thumb injury game. Uh, so not a good experience there. So. This was her second. That was her second game, and she absolutely loved it. Uh, so, thank you for providing a good experience to my wife Sam uh, at the Bengals Dolphins game last year. Grayson County High School football team. At least the Cougars won that night, which which made things a little bit better. But because all I knew going into rewatching the game that night is I accidentally saw a notification that said Tua Tagovailoa was hurt that's all i knew so i knew something happened to tua during it i didn't know what i just knew he got carted off and it was a wild scene going back and watching it and so on and and the worst part about it is is that you know i live in a like a duplex so i have a connecting wall and usually during bengals games since they're at one o'clock or i guess i live in central time zone so at noon i can be loud you know and and i'm not one you know i can yell in and listen but when you're rewatching the game at 2.30 in the morning, 
<laughs> so I'm sitting there and and wasn't there there was a big pass play to T Higgins in that game if my memory's right. Yeah, the uh, the chuck play, the no, it was a touchdown. It was a yeah, it was uh, a seam route. First play the second half maybe? No, no, it, I think it I think it was right before the first half ended. Okay. Regardless, up I'm sitting there and I'm like like trying not to start screaming at the top of my lungs and wake up my neighbors. But again, we're getting off topic. I'm just very excited to get the whiteout game and experience. And then you throw on top of it that Chad Johnson and Boomer Esiason are going to be Ring of Honor inductees. I, I mean, I'm going to be a pig and slop. Yeah, I know we didn't discuss this before the uh, before the show in terms of what we wanted to talk about. But uh, now that we're talking about, do you want to talk about the Ring of Honor inductees? Sure, uh, sure. this Chad is good Johnson before we talk in the preview. Yeah, yeah, Chad Johnson, Boomer Sizen. Now, uh, anybody that knows Sam and I, we are not particularly the youngest uh, Bengals fans doing podcasts. Uh, we're both in our mid-20s, and we didn't really watch Boomer play, but obviously we know all of the great things that he did for our franchise, an MVP in 1988, a Super Bowl appearance in 1990, or 1988, multiple years as a starter actually came back after like a five-year hiatus from the team to play in 1997 when I, I would assume all hopes were just completely shot because the roster and the coaching were so bad. So um, it's great to see Boomer get inducted. He's been an ambassador for the franchise ever since um, ever since he retired and became a part of that CBS uh, pregame broadcast crew. Um, and... Yeah, I've got a soft spot for Boomer, and I, I'm just glad he's in. We did watch Chad Johnson play, however. And, and <laughs> Ch Chad, listen, I, if if Chad Johnson played for the Cowboys, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. I think Chad Johnson should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago, and I touched on this on the podcast before the season started. If you look at Chad Johnson and Calvin Johnson's resumes, they are almost identical. Now. Calvin Johnson did have more like record-breaking seasons, but if you're looking at all pros, pro bowls, uh, playoff appearances, yada, 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 they have almost the exact same resume. And Calvin Johnson was a first ballot Hall of Famer. And he, here's the thing that Chad deserves a lot of credit for as well, is that Chad helped in that era of Bengals, he helped rebuild everything. He made Cincinnati Bengals football cool again. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, and that's the thing that he, I mean, you ask so many, like, and we see this all the time, Mick, is, you know, we've met a couple of people from tailgates that, that we've gone to over these past couple of years. And it's like, oh, where are you from? And they'll be like, oh, I'm from Nebraska. And it's like, you're a Bengals fandom <laughs> from Nebraska. How? And, and it's amazing how many times we've heard is Chad Johnson. Yeah, like that's oh, the reason yeah. I became a Bengals fan, and and I cannot wait because I already know that both of those guys are going to get massive ovations on on Monday. Oh, uh, I'm going to go absolutely crazy for Chad. Like that guy was so damn good at playing the wide receiver position. Uh, it, it's it's crazy how good that guy was and how dominant he was in the league for a consistent period of time, a good six, seven-year stretch where he was a top three receiver in football. Um, I'm going to go absolutely crazy. And I think I think the uh, the season ticket members absolutely got it right uh, when voting these guys in this year. 
Yeah, mean, including us, by the way. We yes. got it right. We did. And we last year we picked Willie and Chad. This year we picked Boomer and Chad. And I think it's interesting now we got to figure out who, who the heck we vote for next year. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with Leaping Lamar, I think. I think I'm going to yeah. go Lamar Parrish, even though I never watched him play football. Uh, and and you know who I might I might vote for is, is just in talking about the ambassador role. And again, we're getting off topic. This can be a great offseason topic is Lap. Dave Lapham. Yep. Because I, I, I think I don't I don't I don't blame you for picking him. I, because I, 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 I think him. for one is it would mean a lot to him. Two. Oh, like does yeah. does his career as a player do it? Maybe not. And then I was also thinking maybe I could vote for Corey Dillon too. Uh did, okay. Let's uh let's move on to the game. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's move on to the game before we get very off. Are, 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 are we not allowed to to like Corey Dillon or, or Ricky Woods? On this podcast here? I would vote for Ricky Woods before I'd vote for Corey Dillon. Sorry, Schubert. Um. <laughs> Bengals-Rams on Monday Night Football. ESPN is where the game will be uh, on. Chris Fowler, you know, from Saturday night on college football. Dan Orlovsky, Lewis Riddick, and sideline reporter Laura Rutledge will have the call. I think I read that John Hussey is the official who John Hussey has done a Monday Night Football game against uh with the Bengals in it. Which one was and that? And which one was it? Well, well, Ryan Finley Magic. Oh, oh, okay. So does that mean something? That's Probably good precedent not. right there. You know, history talk, always seems uh seems to repeat itself, Sam. So I don't let's know. talk Bengals offense versus Rams defense. Let's just say Joe Burrow plays. Let's say that all of this calf thing was more of just he was sore after playing a football game, and really he's 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 not changed much at all. When I hear Los Angeles Rams defense, I get bad flashbacks to number ninety nine, and arguably one of the best interior defensive linemen ever, Aaron Donald. Probably the best. Yeah, um, I, I think an argument can be made for that, that he is maybe the best. Yeah, Lord Taylor wasn't an inside. Lord Taylor wasn't inside. He was purely edge, right? Yeah, but edge. I mean, both of them are in that. Like, I, I think if you're, at, let's just put it this way Mount Rushmore interior defensive lineman, Aaron Donald is on it. Yes, 100%. Um, and so, but the difference the, was in that Super Bowl game, it was Aaron Donald in like a stacked defensive cast of like Jalen Ramsey and. Uh, I don't know. I have so much thought blocked out of my brain from that. Was Bobby Wagner on that team? Yes, maybe Bobby Wagner. Was. Eric uh, Weddle. Eric Weddle coming out of the uh, coming out of the wheelchair of retirement right there. Um, a bunch I, of yeah. It's it, it was Aaron Donald and a bunch of somebodies this week. It's Aaron Donald and a bunch of unknowns. And I mean their their defense is. But I think it's something that if Burrow plays, I think this offense can do something. Yes, I agree. 100%. If Burrow doesn't play, I still think it can do something. But I am a little, I mean, I'm just concerned more based on, I'm just throwing out who the the opponent is. When you lose an elite quarterback, you're going to see a drop off. That's just part of the game. I don't know, though. Uh, and that's that's just what semi concerns me. If you talk about the Rams' offense against the Bengals' defense, I mean, I think, and you know, Paul Reeves took it. You know, you've got Puka Nakua or Nakua, or I don't even know how to say his name. Um, 
for the Rams, who has been the rookie wide receiver that no one knew existed. And it's been great. Preseason happened. Until Correct. Preseason happened. He was dropping 100 yard games. Um, yeah. So if we go back to the Bengals offense, gets a Rams defense here. Um, if Joe Burrow's in and the calf injury is, let's say, at the same point as it was during the Ravens game, excuse me, um, I think you could see Joe Burrow right the ship and the offense right the ship and have a very explosive game because. Much like the Ravens game when previewing this, uh, the secondary of the Los Angeles Rams, and particularly, and I guess where it's different, uh, the linebacking unit uh, is not as good in coverage as, as Queen and Roquan Smith are were for the Ravens. So definitely could be working like that short to mid game in the middle of the field a lot more where Joe is able to dump the ball off and, and you know, when players can actually, uh, you know, make decent plays. Uh, so I think if Joe Burrow's in, I think the offense is is playing pretty well. Now, if one of the backups are in, then that's where things might get a little hairy. But we have seen a, a precedent. And to give Zach Taylor some credit here, we have seen a precedent of Zach putting together a decent game plan with a backup quarterback in. Uh, to win a game, uh, you know, ergo Steelers game, Ryan Finley with Ryan Finley calling up a great game there. And um, with wait, just with Ryan Finley, with Ryan Finley playing quarterback, you have Will Greer back there. I don't, that's, yeah, you, that's a big upgrade over Ryan Finley. I think Paul Reeves <laughs> is a big upgrade over Ryan Finley up there. I trust Paul to win a game more than more than Ryan Finley. And I don't know the last time Paul suited up. Yeah, and and but I and I think that that is that's why I really think that Will Greer will get the start. Is if if Burrow cannot go, I think Will Greer will start. And yeah. I will also be interested to see if they do some semblance of roster gymnastics as well as as I know Tommy Lipscomb and Huda Nation brought up the point of saying that you have now the rule that if you make a if they bring Will Greer up to the 53, they can then ha- have an extra quarterback active, that third quarterback rule, because of the 49ers. Now, that I don't think that'll work if they elevate him from the practice squad. But if they elevate him to the 53, that can also pretty much make that Joe Burrow decision go up until kickoff and make the Rams have to prepare for multiple different quarterbacks because you don't know who's potentially going to start. And this is something that Zach likes to do with injuries. Yes, because he wants to protect. Yeah, he, he's yeah. also one of those. He's a play. I mean, listen, you can say what you want about Zach Taylor. He is a player's coach. Yeah, well, he's a player's coach. What I'm talking about is uh, maybe not being entirely upfront with the whole injury situation. Like, yeah, you know, you, yeah, you know what I mean, though. Like, he, yeah. he's good at he's good at, um, I guess, uh, initiating some form coach of speak. surprise. Yeah. yeah, yeah, coach speak. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, be like, uh, how's Joe Burrow doing? Well, he's a little sore. Think he's going to play? Yeah, we'll see how it goes. He's day to day. Yeah, because listen, I'll tell you exactly what will happen during the Zach Taylor press conference tomorrow. They will ask him, "How's Joe Burrow? He's a little sore. He's been going through treatment. Uh, is he going to practice? Uh, he'll probably go through some, you know, motions and so on." Um, Paul says he's going to eat. We'll see you in Leroy in a little bit. We'll see you later, Paul. Thanks for tuning um, in, Paul. 
Absolutely. We appreciate you locking in, even though he's not a Bengals fan locking in into uh, the podcast for that. But I think you're just going to see a lot of that coach speak because I don't know that. I mean, we very well might not have a decision on who's going to start until literally they run out of the tunnel on Monday night. Yeah. I mean, I think you'll get reports beforehand. Uh, probably. They got to announce the inactives, what? A couple, but, couple hours at least before the game? Who's, who says they make Burrow inactive? I mean, I guess they don't have to. Yeah, and and that's and I and I I don't know with it. Let's let's talk about Rams offense though versus the Bengals defense. I think the Rams offense is probably a better fit for the Bengals defense. I think that is a positive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, with, with the pass rushing woes last week, I would be hard pressed to think that the same issue is going to replicate itself this week, um, especially when the interior offensive line of the Rams isn't as good as the interior offensive line of the Ravens. Uh, so you could see DJ Reader and PJ Hill having some very good games, um, and I, you know, and like you said earlier in the podcast, Matthew Stafford's mobility is not what it used to be, and it was it never really was that great, but it's definitely not what it was 10, 15 years ago. No, he's almost forty years old. You know, he, he's he's knocking on the door of that. Uh, yeah. Now, one one thing to you know, if we're talking Rams offense, there's a couple of injuries that we can talk about with this. Of course, no Cooper Cup. Which Cam Akers is, is gone, by the way. And yes, Cam Akers traded to the Vikings, to the Vikings today. today. And then Joe Newtboom, who is their left tackle, is questionable. Um, I know he dealt with like a neck injury of some sort. So, I mean, you could potentially be looking at without your left tackle. It may have been without Cooper Cup the past couple of weeks. But listen, Cooper Cup is, on any given day, maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL uh, when he's healthy. And, so, you know, and that... You know, when you're losing potentially your left tackle and then already have your top wide receiver out. Now, yes, uh, you know, you, you've had the rookie playing well, but that has to make this Bengals defense feel well because, and like we just touched on too, is the Bengals have faced two mobile quarterbacks in this, in the first two weeks of the season. They now will go a couple of weeks here without facing another one. Yes, they, they will. Now, the caveat here, and okay, first, I don't want to accuse you of misinformation. Uh, but I had, I looked up on our lads. I had Joe New- Noteboom, I think, at right guard instead of left tackle. They've had this guy named Alar- Alaric Jackson starting a left tackle recently. According to the ESPN depth chart, that's where I pulled it from that Noteboom was the left tackle. Okay. So um, there, there is. Uh, and Alaric Jackson took some... his spot. Okay. Okay. That is. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm not sure if that if that's regardless or not. Newt Boom is 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 a guy out on their offensive line. Yes, Newt Boom is out on the offensive line. You are missing a starter there. The offensive line is kind of piecemealed together too. It's not like it's a a very robust offensive line by any means. So the front four should have a very clear advantage, and I think the pass rush is going to be a very big key to victory this week against Rams. Now the other caveat is is that. Yeah, Matthew Stafford isn't mobile, um, but Matthew Stafford has looked pretty decent the first two weeks of the season. Um, now, going Niners game, two interceptions. It's the Niners defense. I don't, I don't know what else to say about that other than the Niners defense is really good. But you've seen, you know, you kind of went in. You're like, oh wow, Cooper Cup's out. You know, them going into the year, Cooper Cup's out. How the hell are they going to move the ball down the field? And they've just had a bunch of no names just. 
absolutely feast on opposing defensive backs. Puka Nakua looks like a top 15 receiver going into week three. And then Tutu Atwell has had a very good first two weeks of the season as well. Their skill position players are, you know, I I think you're going to see them play pretty well. Uh, and I think that's probably their biggest uh, their biggest thing is that Stafford's just been on fire and, you know, their run game's been decent with Kyron Williams uh, leading in the backfield right there. Um, so that's the thing that makes me kind of scared about the Rams' offense. But the offensive line for the Rams, it's weird because their offensive line's so bad. But they were able to move the ball against the Niners' defense to still score 21 points. So it's like... It's very it's it, it's a, it's a big unknown of what we're going to see on on Monday regarding that. What do you want to see as the keys to victory? So if we're looking at the defense, I think the pass rush is the biggest key to victory. I think the secondary, for the most part, can keep up with uh, keep up with the receivers. Now, we, if we're talking about injuries, uh, Nick Scott is on concussion watch, uh, so Jordan Battle could see a lot more reps or potentially even start the game. Uh, and play full, you know, get a full helping of starters reps in the Monday night game, which I'm actually pretty intrigued to see how well he plays in that action. Um, so I think the pass rush is the biggest key for the Bengals. If you can uh, get to Matt Stafford and enforce some sacks and you put more pressure on them, maybe you force some turnovers out of them. Uh, that's going to be a huge key to, key to the victory for the defense. Now for the offense, uh, the coverage game for the Rams is 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 fairly poor. And the receivers should be able to get open on these guys, I would think. They should. Yeah. So that should be the case. Now, the other issue is, you know, what are you going to do to game plan for Aaron Donald? Because that guy can just single-handedly wreck games. Can you even get real like, in all seriousness, is he just a guy that you just have to let, like, like you, you have obviously to have to do something. Yeah. Yeah. You just see his double teams and triple teams all day and still plays at a fairly high level. Um, you know, but it's kind of hard to see him just absolutely wreck games like he has in the past just because the the rest of the Rams pass rush isn't very good. Their next best pass rusher is uh one of the two Byron Youngs that got drafted this year. <laughs> see, this is this is where I wish we had Lyle Collins still. Because you could just put Lyle Collins out there, have him talk some more crap to Aaron Donald, have Aaron Donald beat him up with his helmet again, and then Aaron and then he's Donald out for gets the rest ejected. Of the game. Exactly. He's out for the rest of the season. Yep. And then, yep, we saw that with Miles Garrett. And then, listen, the NFC West is very thankful, and the Bengals may probably win the game. So maybe they should just sign Lyle Collins to a one-day contract just so we can fight Aaron Donald. Or maybe put Jackson Carmen into the game, and then we can maybe get have a reason to get rid of Jackson Carmen too. Oh, man. So, who do you think's getting moved off the fifty-three man roster if they do elevate Will Greer? I I don't know. I don't know either. I I, I just that randomly popped up in my head, and I was like, I don't know. Who are they going to kick off the roster? <laughs> Maybe a corner, probably Jalen Davis. I'm gonna I'll go Jalen Davis. But then you go five corners though. Yeah, for one week. But then you also have the chance of putting Jalen Davis through waivers. I think he probably passed through those, but I, 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 I don't know. I don't know with it. Okay, how about uh, since we're we're running, getting close here to the to the end of time? Are are you about ready for a pick, or do you have a couple more things you wanted to mention about this game? Um, 
no, I think that I think I covered everything I need to pick, uh, and then we can get through picks. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's going to be kind of a two pick thing for me, though. Just one if Joe Burrow's playing, and then no, the other. We 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 don't get to do that. We we have to. We <sighs> I guess we're not we're not having a contest. So I guess we could we can make. Don't we make two separate picks? Okay. Because we're not making this a Joe contest. Burrow plays, whether Joe Burrow doesn't. Okay. Play. Let's say tomorrow they say, "Yep, Burrow is okay." He's 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 the same as he has been, or, or he's he's going to be fine. Who wins Monday night? Bengals. Score. Um, Bengals win thirty-five to twenty-four. Bengals twenty-four twenty. Okay, I there respect. Would be if Burrow plays. Bengals twenty-four twenty. Will Greer. Or Jake Browning is the starting quarterback on Monday evening. Bengals Rams. Who wins? Bengals. Woo! What's the score? 20, 20 17. 20 to 17. Since I picked the Rams to score 20, I'm going to keep with a 20. Uh, 20 to 16 Rams. Okay. Is if Burrow doesn't play. Okay. One other thing I kind of want to mention that I did mention that like there's been a precedent of uh, a team rallying behind Zach Taylor's game plan with Ryan Finley playing and starting a quarterback. And then they also won that game against the Texans the next week with Brandon Allen. Um, the, the only, um, I guess, caveat to that is that those games were late on in the season. The first game against the Steelers was against the Steelers team that went 11-0, and then then they were just like, oh, we went 11-0. I guess we're done for the rest of the year. And they just decided to not give a crap. So that was that. And then you went up against the Texans team where there was a bunch of Deshaun Watson drama and not the, the Deshaun Watson drama. It was different where Deshaun was like not happy with the way the organization was going. He was still pissed off about Bill O'Brien just uh, – intentionally sabotaging the team as a GM and and getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins um, and so on. Uh, this is a little bit different uh, because one you got Sean McVay on the other side of the uh, on the other side of the field. <coughs> Excuse me. And I don't know what you think about Sean McVay, but I think Sean McVay is a top five NFL head coach. And I here's, think he's a here's another thing too we haven't even mentioned. I mean, we, we've mentioned it in passing, but what's well, going to be something on the mind of the Bengals, too? Revenge. You talk about like a chip on their shoulder? Yeah, a little, little, little bulletin board material. From you better the believe line. that'll be in the back of their really mind. Well, could be. Yeah. Because you better believe it'll be in the back of my mind. I'm going to be thinking about it. I want I want to get some payback because I still, that play, that last play, I have replayed in my head at least 75,000 times. Which one are we talking about? The last play. The the Jamar broke uh, yes. Jalen Ramsey, and then, yeah. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. yes, when Jay Morrison posted that picture, I died inside. I died yeah. inside. I died. Dark inside. times. You, 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 you give me flack for bringing up dark moments in franchise history, and you just did it yourself. I did. I did. <laughs> what a perfect way to end the podcast, too, right? <laughs> Happy vibes, happy vibes, everybody. Don't think about that play. Here, Gino, uh, Eugenio Suarez. Good vibes only. 
Good vibes only, right? <laughs> Remember to uh, follow us. If you're watching on the Jungle Juice Facebook page, follow us that way. Follow the Houday Nation Today page as well. Join the Houday Nation group. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We also are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, really wherever you get your podcasts. Just We're search for friends, us. You can y'all. See that. Did you say words with friends? I said, we're in France. Yes, y'all. we are. Uh, our, our French friend hasn't listed, listened in a couple of weeks. So I guess maybe us talking about France last week turned him off to it, which it was only expected because we don't really speak French. It's, but, uh, it's only a matter of time that the Frenchmen and women uh, are all you know, in on us. Listen, right? Yeah, all in on the Jungle Juice podcast. We got we to so, find a market somewhere here. Make sure you follow us that way. Leave us a five-star review and so on. Uh, we always appreciate hearing from you. We'll be tailgating, I know, probably down with Bengal Jim at some point on Monday evening. So make sure you, you stop by, say hi, or uh, give us a high five, or tell us we suck. That works, too. Yeah, and if, you know, I don't want to, you know, tailgate wherever you want, uh, but if you're going to your game for the first time and you need a good tailgate to go to, go down to Bengal Jim's tailgate uh, down in Lot E, over also over in Smell Riverfront Park now. Um Great setup, DJ booth. There's actually live music down there now, too. At least there was last week. Yes, uh, there is going to be a band playing as well this week. Is it the Bengal Boys? No, it is, Bengal not. Boys it is a band. There? It is a band actually playing. So that'll uh that it'll be exciting. So make sure if you if you if you're going to the game, stop by, experience it. Just walk around the tailgates. Longworth Hall has some great ones. Just walk around, experience life. There's a lot of really great things happening, and uh, hopefully you will experience the Bengals' victory on Monday as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that's can't wait. Let's do it. I can't Whiteout wait game. either. We're hoping, we're excited for the whiteout. Boomer Esiason and Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson will be inducted into the Ring of Honor at halftime of that game. It'll be on ESPN. Do you think he river dances as like his intro? Think I, he's going to river dance. Nothing. You think he's going to do something Chad like? Nothing surprises me. Nothing, <laughs> nothing would absolutely surprise me with with what could potentially happen. They don't have a celebration montage and an end zone celebration oh, oh, montage oh. beforehand. I'm going to be a little disappointed. And I'll be interested to see if a Bengals scores if they'll break out some like will they do the pylon, you know, uh, on the field goal? Will they break out a Hall of Fame the jacket? Will they do, the proposing to the cheerleader? Uh, the, will they try uh, to bribe the ref? Will they, you know, what what could potentially happen? All of the, you know, the legendary Chad Johnson moments to honor him on his night. Uh, and maybe Burrow the, will throw uh, a pass left-handed in honor of Boomer. There you go. Uh, did did they say who the uh, who the ruler was? I would imagine it's Boomer and Chad. Okay, I I would assume the same thing. But, or or yeah. one of the two. It might just be Boomer because Boomer can't usually come to games because mm-hmm. obviously he has a CBS. Uh, stuff so he can't come but he's actually gonna be able to get there so i'd assume boomer will be the ruler of the jungle i know they announced who's doing the national anthem and i'll be honest i didn't recognize her name that doesn't mean that she's not very talented um and i know mick we're making a pack too we're going to be in our seats earlier this week yeah uh hopefully we don't have any uh any ticket uh malfunctions like we did yes and i'm in fact go ahead and yeah well it it happened and i had to I paid the price for it. We'll, we'll put it that way. In fact, I'll go ahead and uh, get those ready as we're talking right here. But that'll wrap us up for this week. We'll be back every Wednesday at 8 Eastern, 7 Central for another edition. Hopefully recapping our first Bengals win on yep. 
Jungle Juice podcast. So we look forward to that. And see, look here, I'm putting it in my Apple wallet right now because I forgot to do that last time. See, look, there's our tickets at all. So now we should be good and not have to worry about it. How's that sound? Perfect. (laughs) We'll we'll be ready to roll on Monday. So until next time, for Mick Nelson and Sam Gormley saying who day. Who day, guys. Thank you for watching.